completely changed computers uh, entirely and am sitting in a different place. I'm on a different desk, I'm in a different chair, and everything is different, and so is my audio quality down the toilets. Uh, with me, as always, is my Nothing's Changed Wombat. That's Almost. me! That's the word I was missing. You're not my wombat. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. New computer, new new audio quality, same old hosts. We're always here. Yeah. Can't leave. No. Nope. stuck. We're trapped. I mean, we're what people don't know is that we're actually know. in two... Like separate black boxes, right? And we're not allowed to leave. Uh-huh. This is a science experiment yeah. that's been running for like four years now. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen my wife in four years. Yeah. I would really like to yeah. eat something, but they just, they won't yeah. let me out. <laughs> uh. Uh, so what's your glowing weak point, John? Oh shit! Right, that's a I caught thing. you off guard. Uh, whoa! Fortunately, it's easy for me because I got to go see Baby Metal in concert, and it was incredible. Because Sue has a fantastic voice. Sue's the lead singer, right? Correct. Yeah, Sue Metal, uh, and uh. Momo Metal smiled at me a whole bunch, so that was great, and the music was awesome. There are caveats. There are caveats? How can there be caveats? You got me to listen and watch some of their uh, videos, and they seem Uh awesome. How can there be caveats? So, I I will say, everything from Baby Metal was perfect without compare. Okay. Oh no, there was an opener, wasn't there? There was. And and unfortunately, like they're they're actually co-headlining. So there was an opener and his name was like James Ricky Boy or whatever. I don't he didn't matter at all. It right. was just one guy with a guitar and he played over some some pre-recorded tracks and uh, he was he was fine. The, he was It was okay. acceptable. Yeah, like like he didn't ruin anything, but it was like, why are you up there? Let's just get to the good stuff. <laughs> what is this an open mic? Get out. Get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um here for and, baby metal. Uh, Fuck you. But on their tour, they're co-headlining. So every other um, concert, they switch off who who goes last. Okay. And so this time, it was Baby Metal went last, which is very unfortunate because if Baby Ed Metal had gotten second, we would have listened, had a wonderful time, and left before the shit. So what happened? Are you familiar with Death Clock? De- no, I'm not. All right. Well, um, there was an old Adult Swim animated TV series. Uh, it, it came out in like 2006 or something. Okay. And it it was called Metal Ocalypse. I va- I have vague memories of seeing like ads for that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so in it, 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 it parodies metal fans and, and the metal community, but also uh, a lot of people say that, like, it does this from a place of love or whatever. Right. And, you know, I, I, I fucking have nothing but hatred towards them. Um, <laughs> but in the show, there is a band called Death Clock. In real life, the voice actors and musicians who played the characters in the show also have a band called Death Clock, where they play the songs from, from the, the show. show. Yes. Okay. So, so it's like how how the actors in Spinal Tap continued touring as Spinal Tap for for like yeah. decades afterwards. Uh huh. Okay. Except Spinal Tap was okay. Right. <laughs> um, and they they kept the whole stage dark, and they just had a screen behind them, and they played uh, lyric videos with uh, a bunch of clips from the 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 show. Okay. So I'm guessing you their don't mus- like this band. Their music is mid. At mid. best. At best. At Damn. Best. Damn. Their lyrics are uh, rather repulsive. Oh? Uh, it, it's, Is it's it, like, gross. hateful? It's uh, so, like, one of their songs is I Ejaculate Fire. Oh. Yeah. Um, their show is uh, despicable because... Um, yeah, the, the song I Ejaculate Fire is starts off with... This weird Egyptian lady walking up to a pharaoh who's sitting on a throne outside of a pyramid, and she sucks him off. Oh. Uh-huh. This yeah. is a scene from the show? Yeah, well, it was a scene they fucking showed on the screen. <laughs> I haven't watched the show. I refuse to. Um, uh, and then... He ejaculates fire onto her, and uh, she, like, turns into this weird fire zombie. And then the rest of it is him running around the streets naked, ejaculating fire onto everyone. And then it ends with her and him having a face-off where he ejaculates fire onto her. But at the same time, they have a wizard battle because she squirts fire out of her tits at him. And it meets in the middle and... It was repulsive. Um, like I have a I have a way to instantly make this song more relatable. Okay, John. So it's called okay. "I Ejaculate Fire," right? Um, yeah. Scrap scrap that title. Rearrange it. Rearrange right. Like I piss yeah. fire after I ejaculate. <laughs> okay. Okay. That could be a music. It's more relatable, yeah. right? That, like that's the that thing that happens. Rela- yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Just be like, I have gonorrhea, and like, I don't relate to it, but I can, I can conceptually understand. (laughs) Um, I am not a prude. Right. No, there's a there's a tasteful way to be gross. (laughs) And they did not succeed in the slightest. Um, there was another song where, uh, like. Uh, all their lyrics were dumb and gross. And one of the the songs, 
what, like, I don't even remember what this song was about, but I just remember at one point the the dude's just fucking doggy style. Oh. On the screen. Like, like just straight up, like... Was he watching one, X-Files? The other one, the girl goes down on him. You can't see her sucking him off, but there's no one that doesn't know what's happening. Right. And this other one, they're just fucking. <laughs> like, just just there. Dick going in and out. Just Dog on style. the screen. On the screen, right up there. Does Baby Metal know what's playing before them? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they could. Especially because, like, like, people, people talk bad about Baby Metal before they actually listen to a single song. Right. And they're like, oh, it's a gimmick. Yes, it's a gimmick, but also they're fucking good. It's a cool gimmick, to be fair. Like, they're singing idol style over fucking metal music. It's it's cool as shit. Every band has some level of gimmick. Yeah. It's, it's, It's just something to get people in the door. And then, if it's a good band, you keep listening. When I saw Modest Mouse in concert, they had two drum sets up on stage with two drummers, right? There's absolutely yeah. no reason you could possibly need two whole ass drum sets and drummers no. on stage. That's a gimmick. Absolutely, <laughs> it is. But it's good. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people just discount uh, Baby Metal right off because of the gimmick, and then they often take it a step forward and are like, "Oh, it's Baby Metal. It's 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 metal for babies." And are like, wow. "This is kids stuff." It's so original. So it's, it's, it's so it's so not uh, <laughs> like like it's so not for for just kid shit. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, but like Bob the some... Builder doesn't have Tom Morello featuring in any episodes. No, like. no. <laughs> they don't have yeah Tom. Bob the Builder didn't have. Um, Oh, what's the... Through the Fire... Dragon Force. Didn't have Dragon Force write a song for them. Right. Baby Metal has the Tom Morello and Dragon Force stamp of approval, so... Yeah. (laughs) Rob Zombie actively roots for them, and... Rob Zombie, I think, uh, went out and, like... uh, His fans were like, oh, they're stupid and whatever. He was like, oh, fuck y'all. They're better than everyone I've played with in the last decade. (laughs) Um... But, you know, on the one hand, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely not true. It, it is it is proper metal. It is hard. It is they are good at what they do. But on the flip side, yes, they are cute girls doing cute things and singing well, and it, they don't sing anything that's vile. So it is family friendly, right? Um. They're mostly just singing about how awesome metal music is. <laughs> like, from what I've listened to. The concert. There was a 12-year-old girl at the concert with their dad. Oh, no. And you have to get through Death Clock first. Oh, no. And again, there's explicitly doggy-style fucking on the screen. Again, this is okay so if they're watching like, X-Files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, 
What the hell? I, I don't know, dude. The most but, like, damning I, thing, I, however. I just assume they have to like like put blindfolds on baby metal yes. while that part is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're just backstage, yeah. you know, getting ready. Right, like y'all cannot cannot know what is happening out there. No. No. <laughs> There's like armed uh, guards <laughs> murdering people or, trying to tell them what's or, happening. Cause they are still technically on an idle uh license. Right. They they have a whole lot more control over their brand than most idols do. Um because baby metal is impossible without Sue. Uh it, it's actually impossible she is the glue that holds everything together um but they still have a producer who makes decisions so it's entirely possible that the producer is just like eh we'll slap these two people together and there's some amount of evidence for that in that uh when they toured with metallica they showed up everywhere for everything wearing metallica shirts because Uh, they are fans of metal. They're not... <laughs> they, they do actually like the music. Right. And, uh, and they like Metallica, so they wore those. They wore Rob Zombie shirts when they meet him. They, like, like they wear the shirts for the bands they tour with and they, they, um, they meet. There are no pictures of them wearing any Death Clock gear at all. <laughs> At all. They didn't. They didn't come out on stage wearing Death Clock shirts or anything. No, no. They didn't. <laughs> um. the The most damning thing about the fan the, the 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 Death Clock show though is the fans. Oh no! For some reason, Death Clock has fans, and Death Clock actively wants their fans to be pieces of shit. From their lyrics from the way they handle the show, from the way the, the show actually talks about their fans. Uh-huh. They want their fans to be pieces of shit. And in general, a metal concert is one of the safest places you can go to because metal fans genuinely care about each other. And, like, like in a big concert, they'll just, like... If, if they see someone getting hurt or if they see someone being a dick, they'll just stop the show and they'll be like, all right, guys, he's gone. I'm, oh, you I'm mean wait you, here until he's gone. They'll take like, agency over their show. Wow. I didn't oh, yeah. know artists could do that. Travis Scott. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but like, like a lot, a lot of artists do care about their shows, but metal in particular, like, Yes, there's moshing, and yes, it, it, you can get you know a lot of rough housing, and and you can get hurt. But also, well, I was going to say that's that why but, like a pit. They have a culture that's, of of like like mock violence in the mosh pit, right? So yes, so they but, want to make sure it doesn't get actually dangerous. But that's within the pit. Yes, and if if you're near the pit and someone comes and they're like oh you don't want to be a part of this i'm sorry and then they'll like make a walls to make sure that you're not involved in the pit uh like they they're very careful about including the people that want to be and not including the people that don't want to be uh if someone gets hurt it stops until they get removed and then you get resume right um <laughs> this was 
utter carnage. They were being just violent everywhere just to be violent. Uh, the person we went with actually had to leave to make sure that she wasn't bleeding because she had been kidney punched so hard she nearly passed out. What the fuck? Kidney punching, not a thing you do in moshes. No. It's I mean, you shouldn't do that around. in a fucking fight. <laughs> like, no. That's um, something you do if you want to kill a person. Like, Yeah. Um, also, just utter idiocy. Um, what do you do when you crowd surf? Um, I mean, you, you trust the people underneath you to hold you up and, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, you they go, do. You're, you're at the front, you climb up on the, 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 the stage thing a little bit and you fall back and you, and you jump out and then, or you fall back. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get brought to the back, like you just get moved slowly across the crowd to the back. Do you know what you never do? Go back to front. What? I got kicked in the back of the head five times because everyone was crowd surfing back to front. That's insane. What? One, stupid. Two, just not the way you do things. Like, it's just not the way it works. And three, it's just piece of shitty. Because, like, hey... I couldn't get to the front earlier. I'm going to let people carry me to the front. What the fuck? Also, I watched a girl be crowd surfed. Uh-huh. And she got to a patch of people that we know are Death Clock fans because they were some of the most violent and shitty of all of them. And they flipped her over. Oh, no. She did not want to be flipped over. Uh, but they, and she was like struggling, but no, they flipped her over and groped her and moved her on. Wow. So. What pieces of shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Death Clock deserves to fucking rot. And all of their fans deserve to die, actually. Uh. (laughs) And that was John's glowing weak point. (laughs) Yeah. There's quite a caveat there. <laughs> it was quite a massive caveat there. Baby yeah, metal, um, awesome. Band they're touring with, opposite. Ba- baby metal, uh, genuinely the best band I have ever listened to. The best concert I've been to live. Just 100% across the board. Incredible. Tainted by the band that came before them. Right. So anyways, what's your glowing weak point? Um, okay. My glowing weak point is the TV show From. So, From is this, like, horror TV show. It's, a uh, it's got two seasons out right now. Each are, like, ten episodes long, and I'm almost through the first season. Um, it stars Harold Perrineau, who's this, uh, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff, but what I know him mainly from is Lost. He was a major character in, like, the first two seasons of Lost, and he came back for the fourth season also. Um, Really good character. So I was, like, I I was interested just to see him in it. And then the show itself is really cool. So it's like they're trapped in this village, 
that is outside of space and time it seems everybody who comes there sees this like like log across the road right and they have to turn back yeah and when they see the log a bunch of crows appear and seeing the log and the crows is the signal that you're already trapped in the place oh and then you can enter it from anywhere at least within the continental united states uh so, so you have people seeing the log in Florida and people seeing the log in Arizona, and then they end up in the same place. And during the daytime, it's fine. You know, it's, it's a village. You go about your village life. At yes. night, uh, humanoid creatures attack you and murder you and, like, rip your fucking innards out and, and shit. <laughs> it's oh. it's very gruesome. Um and they by the start of the show they've managed to set up a way of life where like they have these talismans that protect uh, uh-huh. enclosed spaces. Um so so at night you can you can rest easy knowing that the talisman is protecting you from the monsters. Now they yeah. can still like talk to you and shit and pretend to be people and try to get inside your house by you letting them in. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the, the show, the show starts with an RV and, uh, another car, like an RV with a family in it and a car with like a, a tech billionaire showing up at the same time. And okay. two cars never show up at the same time. Like it's wild that this happened. Right. And, okay. and it's also happening at the same time as they just had their first two uh, kills in, like, three months. So mm. everybody is suddenly on edge, right? Yeah. And and uh, the show just keeps going from there. Like, like, it racks up a body count pretty quickly. And it shows... Like, the ways in which you have to live in that kind of environment and how that differs from, from like, everyday life, you know? They, they don't have to worry about yeah. the horrors of capitalism. So there's that to be, like, cool about. You know, everybody lives in yeah, just a nice. big community. It's really cool. But then also there's the monsters. And you have to be super careful about the monsters. And there are rules in place that, like... If you do anything that gets another person hurt, then you go into the box. And the box is this dingy little fucking like like makeshift uh, shed thing in the middle of town that does not have a talisman. You have to spend the night out there, which, as one character puts it, is building a guillotine in the middle of town. Yeah. Yeah. And the box gets used. Like, the second or third episode, they use the box. And it's horrifying. But, you know, you're under... Your understanding of where they're coming from in using it because of the Mm -hmm. extreme circumstances they're in. And it's a a really good show. Uh, Okay. It's it's generally well-acted. It's well-written. Harold Perrineau is great, as I expected he would be. Uh, mm-hmm. watch from. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's Sounds good. good. 
All right, we got a big one this week. We do. Hopefully, uh, so hopefully you... not too big. No, yeah. Uh, well, I, as typical, uh, have the most. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, I guess get I'll started. Just get into it. <laughs> get get um, going. Let let me let me just rapid fire get through the garbage. All right. So, oh. sweet reincarnation. Uh, just kind of sucked. Uh, it's almost done. It's not done yet. Um, it's, uh, the one about the character who got reincarnated and he wants to make a land where happiness is from sweets. Uh, he is stupid. Um, he's overpowered. They always are. And it's not in any particularly clever or interesting way. Um... Some some just real garbage anime. Um, really don't know why I'm still watching it. The Great yeah. Cleric um, is not really doing anything. And it hasn't really done anything with itself the entire time. And it's about to be over, and I will not miss it. Um, my unique skill makes me OP even at level 1. Um is uh, I'm trying to remember which oh yeah this one um, this one is also not doing anything interesting and uh, like it, it it came up with the thing where like he, he was able to get a gun and then like he found a way where he could get bullets and then different bullet types and then that was cool and then there was a way of like oh, I can shoot these uh, I got another gun and what happens if I like shoot the bullets together and Wait. then they, they merged and, uh, and became a different thing where it was like hold either on. an ultimate version of the two bullets or um, a combination of of the, the abilities but they didn't do anything significantly interesting with it and they just were like oh this is a cool thing and we handled it for an episode and now we're just going to move on because we can't think of anything else interesting to do with it. That's just Marie's color bullets from Infinite Dendrogram. Yeah, correct, yes. <laughs> um, am I actually the strongest? Uh, was one that I dropped and then yeah, and you someone picked it I back worked up? with was like, why'd you drop it? It was so funny. And like, second and third episode were just so good. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And then I picked it back up, and, you know, once I've really significantly picked something back up, I tend to carry it through. It's not really that funny, and uh, it never really was, and I'm just going to have to disregard this person's opinion on anime from now on, because uh, it's just a, a shut-in who's in another world, and he's really powerful and uses his powers to... Uh, try and make a place for himself as a shut-in. Holy original, Batman! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, that was my rapid-fire four shits. Let's go to something we both watched. I, I was, uh, I was highlighting your, uh, your trash ones in orange uh -huh. to denote them as flaming yeah. garbage while you spoke. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they are. They are flaming garbage. Well, they're not even flaming garbage. They're more just like embers of garbage. Like, like they, there aren't enough 
to make a flame that could be useful to warm yourself by, it just kind of smolders. It's smoldering okay. pieces of shit. We're getting we're getting mother's basement levels of description of how trash this is today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um well, I actually do have one under my name. So let's let's do that one what? real quick. Yeah. So, in the time since we last talked about anime, I started and watched the entirety of the 2011 Hunter x Hunter anime, which was <laughs> 148 episodes. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> um, why? Hunter, uh, because I have a, a friend who is super into Hunter x Hunter, and he's on the Discord all the time talking about, like, I wish anybody would watch this show so that I could have somebody to talk to about it, right? So I did it. Uh-huh. I did it. I did it okay. for my bro, and I watched it, and I didn't have a bad time. Um, okay. I had a confusing time because <laughs> th- this show has four main characters. Uh, two of them are not on screen for probably about half of the show. So calling them main characters is kind of difficult to do, but they are technically supposed to be the four that the show is about. Um, and okay. it's, specific, it's specifically about Gon, who's like a 12-year-old kid. He, he, became, he, he becomes a hunter because his dad was a hunter, and his dad abandoned him as a baby to go and keep being a hunter. And so he's like, man... I wonder what's so awesome about being a hunter that my dad would fucking abandon me. So that's why he's becoming a hunter. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other the other main characters are uh, Leo Rio, who wants to become a hunter because hunters get access to like practically an unlimited line of credit, and he can use that to enroll in medical school and become a doctor. Uh, mm. Then you have. Kiloa, who is the the son of a extensive generational family of assassins, uh, okay, <laughs> who is also an assassin himself, and has decided to ditch being an assassin and enrolled in the hunter exam, kind of just because he heard it was hard and wanted to see if he could do it. Um, yeah. And then finally, you have Kurapika, who is the sole remaining member of a tribe of people whose eyes turn red when they get, like, super emotional. And they the rest of his tribe was murdered and had their eyes plundered by vile people in order to sell them. And so he's becoming a hunter so that he can hunt down the phantom troop. Which is the the group yeah. that murdered his tribe? So you can see that they have a a, a wide range of <laughs> uh-huh. emotional level going into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Leorio and Kurapika are the ones we see the least because after the hunter exam, and and they uh, and they save uh, Kilua because he's like he's. Uh, hypnotized by his brother into going back to the family or whatever. Um, So they go and save him real quick after the hunter exam. Um, They split up and then it becomes the Gone and Kilo show for forever. (laughs) 
Uh, and and then the writing gets weird because like the the way that it does it, you know, shonen anime they have they have big arcs, right? Like here's the big bad guy yes. that we're dealing with right now, and once we beat that bad guy, we'll go on to another place, and there will be a big bad guy there. Um, yes, that is typically the way it works. Yeah. So the show has that, except it always ends super anticlimactically. Like every single arc just like, like it's hyping shit up and it's hyping shit up and it's hyping shit up. And then it just kind of ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, like uh, Kurapika does fight the, the phantom troop in the third or no fourth arc. In the fourth arc of the show, he fights the Phantom Troop, and he has—he basically has them under the palm of his his hand, like he—he's controlling everything they do. But but then yeah. they just—he gives them a decision to make because, and 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 then they just take a third option and they walk away. Like he he manages to kill two of their members, but I mean they'll replace them. Like that's kind of how the Phantom yeah. Troop works. Um, and, and then they just walk away, and they become non-issues, non-entities almost for the rest of the anime. Um, and, and then there the big the big arc that everybody will always talk about in Hunter X Hunter is the Chimera Ant arc, which goes on. For I want to say 80, six, somewhere between 60 and 80 episodes of this 148 episode anime. Gosh. So it makes up the bulk of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would. And, and it actually has like mini arcs within the arc until they finally get to like the palace invasion. And the palace invasion is this really cool thing where they took, <clears throat> they take an hour of time and fit it inside of like 20 episodes of anime. Like like one episode literally covers the first 15 seconds of the invasion and a and a like 5 minute flashback. Like wow. j- just by hopping around from person to person and showing what's going on in their mind and shit, right? Yeah. And, and it's it's all hyping up to to this big big fight with with Meroem the Chimera Ant King, and a, and then a supporting character fights Meroem, and he blows up a nuke on him, and, and Meroem survives that. So it's like, oh wow, he can even survive a nuke, right? But uh, but then he just dies of radiation poisoning. Without ever fighting one of the actual main characters. <laughs> or even ever looking... Ever directly looking at the actual main character of the show. Like, Gon looks at the king once. Once. They're standing on bridges that are parallel to each other. And Gon looks at the king once. <laughs> and the king does not even acknowledge he is there. <laughs> I hate this. Yeah, it's it's a weird show. Uh I wouldn't I wouldn't not recommend it to people. 
Um, but also, the manga has seen, like, 20 hiatuses in the past decade, one of which lasted, like, four years. So it's it's unknown if this will ever even, like, reach any kind of, you know, ending mm. point, really. Yeah. So, I don't know. No real conclusion. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's written by the same guy who did Yu Yu Hakusho, and uh, he now has, like, really bad back issues to the point where he's drawing the manga on it, like, laying on his back at this point. So. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Next one. All right. Uh, something we all, we both watched. Uh, Helk. Helk is cool. Helk is cool. I really, I don't know what to say about Helk, because they were on the island shit for a while, and the island shit was interesting, but there's not much to actually talk about it. Yeah. I mean, one thing, do you think the witch is her mom? Absolutely, she's her mom. (laughs) (laughs) The witch is totally Anne's mom, right? (laughs) Yeah. 100%. One hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Okay. I just wanted to be sure we were on the same page with that. Yeah. No, there's Peewee's a little annoying, but not in a way that ruins things for the most part. No, I'm not upset I mean, that Peewee joined them. Yes. I mean, Peewee did ruin things when they just threw everything in the fire. But but to be fair, I don't think that would have helped. What the guy no sent would have helped that much. No, I I agree. It wouldn't help that much, and I think he was wasting just... his time and energy attempting to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, um, I'm glad it was Pee Wee. If anybody from the island had to join them, I'm glad it was Pee Wee oh and not the fucking doofus that, that yes. forgets shit all the time. Because he was actually annoying. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I liked when they got back on the, the continent... And Helk just, like, casually destroyed somebody who had been terrorizing a village for weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what uh, we wanted. It, it was nice to see Helk back in action again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, down the line. Undead murder farce. Wonderful. It, it is just, wonderful. This is... Yeah. The, just the, a beautiful show. Uh-huh. The connection with all the um the characters. Like the everything, their their interactions, also their skill. Like when they get to show off their skill, it's always yes. awesome. Especially um, um the maid. Is, is her name Shizuku? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever she gets to fight, it's awesome. Like when she fought yes. uh Camilla the vampire. Which is that? <laughs> yeah, is that the lady who like drank virgin girls' blood or whatever? Is that who that's supposed to be? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Camilla is typically tied with um, um, Dracula a lot. Yeah, as uh, Camilla wants to take over Dracula's domain, but he's Dracula. 
Right, and, and I think in the lore of the show, Dracula is already dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, when she fought, when she fought Camilla, and like, like, was a badass even through all the fucking aphrodisiac poison. So she's like blushed and sweating, but still fucking putting up a fight. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the bad guys are Moriarty, of course. They're all public uh, domain characters. Yes, Frankenstein's monster. Or a uh, real-life person, like Aleister Crowley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who my wife didn't know. And I was like, ah, yes. Famed magician. She didn't, she didn't know Aleister Crowley? No. Fa- famed Satanist dark magician? Yes. Practically invented the modern Satanism and magic. Uh, Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else is in there? Oh, Jack the Ripper is the new guy, right? Yes, Jack the Ripper is the the guy who was also enhanced with Oni blood. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, am I missing someone? Um, then there was also Arsène Lupin and the Eric, the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. They're, they're not part of that group, but they are <clears throat> I, simultaneous I, I really villains. Liked... Yes. Well. I mean, they were the villains really of that arc. Villain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the dubiousness of, of Lupin's, uh... Villainry is is kind of its trademark. Yeah, uh, I mean, Lupin like, was wonderfully charismatic. Yes, I mean he's yeah. he's French Sherlock Robin Hood. Yes, <laughs> with, with some Carmen Sandiego mixed in. <laughs> it was wonderful, and, and his yeah. relationship with Eric was interesting. It was yeah. like. I'm hoping that we get to see more of them later. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and they were stealing a diamond from Phineas Fogg and or Phileas Fogg and his assistant Passepartout yeah. <laughs> from around the world in eighty days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I. Lo- this is why. This is why I wish that copyright laws weren't so fucking broken. That, Correct. That, that like, yes. you because have access have to shit this. for 90 plus years. Because we could be doing yes. this shit with more recent stuff. And uh-huh. I love doing it with this old stuff. I love seeing Lupin and Sherlock and, and fucking uh, Camilla. It's a treasure trove of awesome characters. Right, right. Yeah, it's great seeing all these classic novel characters and historical domain figures sharing a space together and and interacting with each other in meaningful ways. Uh huh. But it would be so cool if we could do that with shit from like forty years ago. (laughs) Yeah, and none of it's like ah, we didn't know what to do, so we'll throw Sherlock Holmes in here, and oh, or or like you walked down the street and it's like oh look, there's Sherlock Holmes in the background. No, they're all in there. As their character, for large periods of time, being their character, and being cool as their character. Yes. 
uh, Sherlock and Watson have a fight between between themselves and uh, and Alistair Crowley, and it's interesting. And there's a reason for the these two groups to be fighting, and it's it's yeah. it's cool. Yes, it's very cool. All right, I'm gonna get the two of my. There's there's three shows that are to me really well done I don't care okay um <laughs> liar liar is first it's a really right. cool premise of the like you have a lie you're trying to protect it and also this whole concept of like you're underpowered but you're playing this game to win and it's not a death game but like there are stakes um it like really interesting world, really interesting um, uh, background of it, but the show never hooked me. Like, like a good premise, really good premise, but they just never the the execution was not in a way that had me waiting for the next one. Like, some of these other ones, I'm like, if there's another episode of it now, I'll go watch it. Right. I mean, Und- Undead Murder liar. Farce, like, the moment it comes yeah. out, I'm watching it. Exactly, yeah. I see that pop up, I watch it. I was watching Sweet Reincarnation and the Great Cleric before I watched Liar Liar. Liar Liar is oh, no. definitively <laughs> a better show, but... Their badness just, was it, more interesting to you than its okayness? Yes, and 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 the others are also just kind of stupid. You didn't have to think about them. So like, liar, liar, just I, it, I don't. It, it wasn't there for me. Second of them is Reign of the Seven Spellblades. This one way better than Liar, Liar, uh, and, and and it's still um, uh, non uh, transphobic um, <laughs> Harry Potter. In fact, one of the characters has, they, they are, they have this ability, they don't know it, it just, it's who they are. It is a uh-huh. part of their DNA that uh, they switch genders. They, they oh, that's both cool. both genders, and they switch genders. And, like, they fully switch it, and there are benefits to both, because you have... Like, when you're in one form, you have certain magic propensities, and then when you're in the other form, you have certain magic propensities. And, you know, the male form has certain benefits to it. Um, The female form, apparently you could just store mana in your womb. So if you need it, you could just, like, pull out a whole bunch of mana at once and do really incredible things. That's something that men just can't do in this world. Uh, and now they can. And they dealt with the fact uh, uh, in a pretty good way of like, holy shit, I'm now a girl suddenly. And I'm very confused. And, and one of the other characters came alongside and, and was like, I understand what this is. I've dealt with it. Here, I can help you with things. Um, yeah, eventually you're going to have to tell everyone, but I understand if you don't want to now. Like, like really really well handled they definitely probably thought about putting that in there at the very least because uh, J.K. Rowling's a fucking turf piece of shit right 
They're like, um, hold on, we're doing Harry Potter shit. How do we how do we do Harry Potter shit but better? Yeah, Be the opposite of J.K. Rowling. Like, distance ourselves as much as possible from J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Um. Be pro trans. Really interesting show. Hell yeah. Yeah. Real like the characters are cool. The fights are really really nice. But for whatever reason, every time, like. I guess there's not enough of a pull to come back to the next episode. It's not like, oh, what'll happen next time? Um, and and it's... Like, the characters are growing, but maybe it's so slow that I it's not... Like, making me that interested in, in how the characters change like if this comes back for a second season which i think it will and i think it should i will 100 percent be watching it but it, it was just it was one of the three that like really really good but i don't know why i just don't necessarily want to see it when uh, i sit down to watch things it's not the thing that pops in first right the last of these is the gene of AI, which I'm not fully caught up on. I think I'm an episode or two behind. I'm. I and haven't watched it since the last time we watching. talked about it. I'm three episodes behind. Okay. Okay. So we're 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 about the same place. Very very interesting show. Yeah. Like I haven't caught up just because I've been busy. <laughs> I had to write like 5,000 words over the weekend and read a whole lot yeah. last week. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I understand. But like this one, like this super fascinating show, it's dealing with, you know, present day issues and things that we will encounter in the future. And it's also using its medium to talk about things that impact everything that's alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, lo a lot of these things are just, like, how you struggle with emotions. How you struggle... Like, one of them was uh, struggling with um, uh, unrequited love. Which, like, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough thing. That's, like, I mean, I've been there. It sucks. Um, and it, it goes into that. Really, really well handled. Really interesting the way it touches on things. And... Oh. and at yeah, the same uh, time, go go ahead. Uh, there's the the one episode with the guy who's like in a coma or something, right? And this humanoid rights organization yeah. is like, you have to heal him. You have to heal him. And, and the family eventually goes through with it, despite some like trepidation. At first, they're like, oh, he wouldn't have wanted, you know, he was he was principled against this kind of thing. But then they find a way around those principles or whatever. So so that argument falls apart. And so the rights organization is like, you have to help him now. You have to help him. And then. Yeah. And, and then he wakes up from the coma after the operation. And he starts hitting his his son. Right. And, and then. Yeah. In front of the, the guy's family. And and then he turns to like the doctor and the the guy from the rights organization and he's like yeah like like uh 
heart, like like his loving, his lovingness towards his granddaughter and everything. Those were parts of him that we all knew, but also the part, uh, him hitting me on a regular basis was a part we also all knew. And, yeah. and so it, they're, it, they're like, did did it mess up? And they're like, no. Unfortunately, this is right. Yeah, this is how he is, and it, it makes you question, like like. Did they do the right thing by helping him, right? Yeah. And, like, again, whew. Yeah. <laughs> like, like this is some, this is some rush, rough shit. But it, at the same, by that same token, like, it's that rough shit that makes it really fascinating. And it also doesn't draw me to want to watch it on a regular basis. It makes it hard to want to sit down and watch. Yeah, it's it's not like like I could watch episodes of Sweet Reincarnation all day because it's cotton candy. There's no substance to it at all. It's just you know, you, you pass the time with it. The Gene of AI is closer to the Schindler's list which you don't just sit down and watch for fun. No, you, you sit down and you watch it, and then you have to think about what you just watched, right? Yeah, you, you, you're watching this one episode at a time, and you're like, huh. And it's the last thing you watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, those, those three were shows that I was like, they're really good. I don't want to watch them most of the time. Right. And I, some of them I can't explain why fully. But it's just, it's not as simple I mean, it is, as, as some of the others. It is just giving me something, like, fluffier and more fun. Because yeah. I'm trying to watch something to enjoy, not watch something to write a thesis about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't want to count this as, as hot garbage. Uh-huh. But it kind of is. Your, your, <laughs> your last one here? watch this again. Yeah. Reborn is a vending machine. Um, yeah. I mean, the the books they, we have always acknowledged are, like, they're they're trash, but they're good trash, you know? It's like, it, yeah. it's like when well, you jump, di- you dive into the dumpster, right? And then you crawl back out with, like, a fucking first edition copy of your favorite book it's like wow yeah. i found something really good in here <laughs> so it's gonna do the entire uh series so far because okay. the most I mean, recent episode is in the 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 living dead area living dead with, like area. the zombies and skeletons right and they're gonna go fight the necromancer dude yeah. And, I mean, in the books, that's immediately followed with um, fighting the, the one of the Demon King's soldiers or something like that. It's been a minute. Which is where it ends off. Uh, like, right at the end of it where it's like, oh, hey, there's more to this world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. By the way, we're not going to produce another book for, like, eight years. <laughs> if so. ever. Yeah. Uh, it is not anywhere near as good as the books. It's still yeah, okay. That's, that's kind of why and I I'm fell still off gonna, it. I'm still watching it to make them see that it's a uh, viable product. 
Yeah. Please just uh, write a fourth book. That's please, that's all just, we want. <laughs> please just write four to twelve more books. Right. All right. Um. Zom one hundred. One. No, there's there's two more to talk about before we get to the best show of the season. Oh, are there? There's there's Last yeah. Boss Queen well, there's and there's the Zom one hundred. Well, and I also have Dreaming Boys a realist. Oh, I thought you already talked about that one for some reason. I did not. No. All right, so most heretical last boss queen from villainous to savior. Um, it's a it's a really interesting premise, isn't it? Because you hadn't watched this the last time we talked. Uh, no the the first time we talked, I didn't watch it. The last time we talked, I I had. We've only talked about this series season twice. Oh, have this we? Oh, the then I guess time. not. Yes. Uh, then, then I guess no. yeah. Now I've I've watched it. The first time it's, you had watched like one or two things. <laughs> it's really cool. It is. It's it's a unique take of like like you there there's I mean, I say unique take. There are a hundred anime that are like reborn as the final the final bitch queen or I mean the er example I'm, is my life as a villainous, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's there's a hundred of these, but this one's it, it takes a different twist on it of like, yeah. Uh you have the memories of you being a monster. <sighs> yeah. And you have but to like do she with vividly that remembers what the uh, what the queen did in the game and how it emotionally impacted her just as playing the game, and seeing the people yeah. now in real life like they're real people. She's like, oh god. Yeah, and it's it's more than that because like she it's not that she just like remembers the game. She also has the memories of her, the queen, doing the things. See, I'm so unclear on that, because sometimes it seems like that, but then other times she's just talking about it in terms of the game. Yeah, a lot of times there there are things of she remembers plot lines and, and events that happened in the game, uh, and, and she remembers things that way. But then when, when it's something that she has done, like the, the queen did horribly in the past, it is her remembering in first person committing those abominations i see and and she remembers that as her doing it but also it's her with you know any amount of uh, emotions and uh you know morals now actually doing the remembering yeah that's man rough <sighs> yeah um I will say, I think the last couple of episodes, the writing has kind of taken a nosedive. Like a, a little bit, yeah. The whole thing with, like, the human traffickers and, and shit, like, like it was, it's rough to say this about a, a an arc about human traffickers, but it was kind of meh. Yeah. It was whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah, kind of felt like, like, care is everything else. Easily resolved. Like more easily yeah. resolved than anything had been prior, and it's it's not like it wasn't easily resolved prior to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I agree. Um, I I feel like it's 
it's a case of we're getting to the end of the season. We got to wrap this up quick. Yeah, we need to find a place to end on where if we don't yeah. get a second season, like, like this will be a satisfactory ending. Yeah, I feel like this one should have been like 15 episodes or so to allow time for things to properly pace themselves. To ramp up in a more natural way. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I was also watching this at the same time as I'm watching Hunter x Hunter, right? And yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of mean to compare the two. But it's kind of not. They're both anime, but one is like a shonen anime where the the formula for this yeah. is down pat, right? Like like yeah. you gradu- you get to an area and then you gradually build up the narrative around that area and and then you have like a climactic fight against the the big bad guy. And in this one, they just kind of show up and they run around for an episode and a half and then they beat up the nameless bad guy like easily. Yes. And, and, and it's and it's it, not as it, satisfying. It deserved better. Yeah. And and this show honestly deserves better. But Yeah. Like there was this really emotional moment with Stale and the uh the the special ability user they had like trapped in the very back of the dungeon or whatever. And you can tell yeah. that it's supposed to be this like swelling moment for the two of them. But I have no context for who the fucking special ability user is at all. And Stale's emotions honestly kind of come from nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was hard to stay invested in that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, so, second to last, The Dreaming Boy is a realist. Uh, this is the romance anime of the season. Um, uh-huh. Oh, I remember now. It, yeah. And, and it actually was very good. Uh, it started off with, like, uh, until you get towards the end where they finally look at things a bit from her perspective, it feels like she's got a bit of, um, uh... What's the the Swedish Stockholm syndrome? Um, like she's got some Stockholm syndrome for him because like he's been chasing after her for all this time, and then he like he finally stops, and then she's like, "Oh, where is he?" And and that just kind of seems like, "Oh yeah, he was stalking you, and now that you don't have the stalking, you're being <laughs> you've got Stockholm you syndrome." You miss your for, stalker. For that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not quite the case. I they I think they might have done a, a bit of a bad job in the very beginning, like the first episode, of portraying him that way, or maybe that was intentional. I I don't know. Um, in the beginning, it definitely feels like he's kind of a creep, uh-huh. and then he he cold turkeys it. <laughs> And, um, and, and maybe it it worked because, uh, then you're like, oh, why do you, why do you switch things so suddenly? Like, why is he now just a really cool dude? Um, cause he, he is like, he, he deals with a lot of other issues and each time he's just kind of a really cool dude. 
uh, about it. Um, getting close to the end of the the season, and I think there's one or two episodes left, and uh, looks like they're going to get back together, which would be awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Now for the best anime of the season. Zom 100! If only this would fucking come out every week. <laughs> right. It's It sees so many delays. I just watched the newest episode right before we uh, started recording. Yeah. Like, while I was eating lunch, I was watching Zom 100. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I, I'm assuming it came out today. It came out today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they finally introduced the fourth main character. <laughs> oh, yeah, big titty blonde. Oh, she's yeah, she's that's right. I remember yeah. from the the opening. From the opening, yeah. Eight episodes yeah. in, they introduce the fourth main character. So she she gets <laughs> all of like she'll have all of four episodes to be a factor in the story. <laughs> yeah. It's fine though. She's well, fun. I mean, uh, I I love this show. Um, I'd I'd love more of this show. I'd love for this show to come out more. Right. Um, I'd love it to come out on time. Did you know there's a live action coming out at the same time? Uh, it's already out. It's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, oh, my girlfriend watched it. it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't it, know it, it actually I does change things up action. a lot. Okay. Yeah, like uh, the the flight attendant scene kind of gets combined with the aquarium stuff, kind of gets combined with the uh, the truck stop stuff for the movie. All three of that together. Like like elements uh, elements of each overlap. So so like okay. the aquarium stuff, the the bad guy of the aquarium section is the boss. But, okay. Like, there is no truck stop. Like, they run across him leading a group of people in the aquarium. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, uh, they meet back up with, um, Shizuku for the flight attendant section. So she's there when they have dinner with the flight attendants. Okay. Yeah. So the the movie changes things up uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I just you know randomly heard about it and was like, "What the fuck? They're doing a live action at the yeah. same time?" <sighs> um, but speaking of the the boss, anymore, so. yeah, dude, dude, that that was the best two episodes of any anime ever. <laughs> I, I am I am uh, so serious. Like the way you see him just just fall back to his old ways underneath his his boss, right? Uh-huh. And then and then you finally see him break out of it and and it doesn't result in the boss's death. Like that would have been too easy, right? To just leave him to yes. dead with the zombies. Instead, uh-huh. you get to see Akira save his boss's life, then tell him off then leave him forever. And that's yep. so much more satisfying than just seeing yes, him get ripped apart by zombies. Not to say it wouldn't have been 
satisfying. It would have been satisfying to see him get ripped apart by zombies. But the direction they took it instead was so much more interesting. Yeah. And I think better for Akira as a character. Because it allowed him to... Like, he wasn't freed because of any, like, accident or happenstance. He freed himself. He took agency over his own life again. Uh Uh-huh. Thanks, Sushi. Yeah. Yeah, um, really, really I loved good it. show. <laughs> yep. All right. Game facts. The facts about the blockbuster. What? Not blockbuster video. What? But I want to rent a copy of Dune. Not not the new Dune. The uh the David Lynch Dune. I wanna I wanna rent. Oh, a, I thought you were talking about. I want to tape. Game. I want to rent a tape Dune. of Dune. Blockbuster was the best for finding weird shit. Starring Kyle MacLachlan, Dune. Block. <laughs> Blockbuster is a 1979 brick-breaking mobile arcade game developed and published by Milton Bradley for the Microvision. Hold on, isn't Milton Bradley Milton a toy Bradley. company? It sure is. <laughs> What the fuck yeah. is a microvision? The the console. The con- this was made did, for. Did Milton Bradley make the console? Yes. Yes. They did. <laughs> yes is they this did. the only game released for no, the microvision? No, no, no. There were twelve. Oh, okay, there were twelve games released for the microvision. In Blockbuster, you control a two or three pixel-sized paddle at the bottom of the screen in order to bounce a ball back towards bricks at the top of the screen, causing them to break. Hold on. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't that just Outbreak? There's a thousand games. Or not? It's not. It's not called Outbreak. What the fuck is it called? Arkanoid is typically the uh, the one people reference. I see. The game only used. I I mean, I've played. I've played that game just like generically on my computer when I was like fourteen. Yes. Right. Probably. (laughs) That's that was the one that. Arkanoid was shipped with, um, uh, <laughs> Arkanoid was on every Windows since, uh, DOS. Yeah. So, so that's what I was playing. And that's just what this is. Correct. Yeah. The game only used four buttons and a paddle dial. The buttons each controlled how many balls you'd play with, the speed of the ball, the size of the paddle, and to launch a ball. The paddle dial, of course, was used to move the paddle along the bottom of the screen. Uh, was Milton Bradley a guy? Technically, yes. Um, uh, and, and not only was Milton Bradley a guy, he was also a baseball player, but that's a different person. Okay. I was just making, because like Milton Bradley just sounds like a dude's name, right? Like it, it's a corporation now, but it sounds like just a dude. He was born in 1836 in Vienna, Maine. 
Of course and, it was Maine. Uh, yeah, and then he died in Massachusetts. Um, wow. Never left New England. He, his, his, uh, started with a lithograph business when he printed and sold an image of the little-known Republican presidential nominee, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> oh, little-known. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. His first game was the checkered game of life, um, which the Wait, is the game of game... life a Milton Bradley game? Yes. Oh. It is based off of the checkered game of life. It is not the same. Okay. Uh, Milton Bradley also has Candyland, Operation, Battleship. Um, oh man, Candyland. Dude, do you remember playing Candyland as a kid? I have Candyland on my shelf right now. I've played Candyland this year. Like, it's one of the only board games where it is truly just random. Right? <laughs> like, there is no yes. strategizing or there... anything that can go into Candyland. It is just like, wherever you land on the board, good luck. The three most popular kids board games are that there's snakes and ladders or shoots and ladders depending on if you're british or not um which is just you roll the dice you move the end yeah you go you go where the board takes you uh candy land you draw a card and go where it tells you to and the final one is uh the the high ho cherio which is honestly the worst of all of them I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, it's the worst of all of them. Because uh, it's it's irredeemable. It's um, irredeemable? With, <laughs> yes. With uh, with Shoots and Ladders, you can make up rules that make it interesting. Uh, with Candyland, there's Candyland Deathmatch, which is a genuinely fun game um, that is full of skill. Um, and... Uh, quite quite enjoyable high on cheerio is just it sucks <sighs> okay um you mentioned battle uh, we'll get back to game facts in a second but you mentioned battleship yeah. earlier too and people have accused that one of being like entirely random also but i can tell you as a champion battleship player on playground in fifth grade, uh, you can totally strategize in Battleship. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. there, there's, uh, it, it's like saying um, rock, paper, scissors doesn't have any strategy. There's there absolutely so is strategy, strategy that goes into rock, paper, rock scissors. paper, scissors. First throw, <laughs> no strategy. There, there's very little strategy in the first throw. You can, yeah. you can do some amount of generalizations of humanity or knowing the other person and guess what they're going to do. But the first throw, genuinely random. Second throw, that is all skill. Yes. <laughs> I am a master rock, paper, scissors player. I, I Whenever it's two out of three and, and my girlfriend is like, let's, let's, let's decide rock, paper, scissors. I win every time. You win. You win every time, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and actually, Hunter x Hunter, uh, a game of rock, paper, scissors plays into the first arc of the Hunter exam arc. <laughs> and, and the people on the sidelines are talking about the strategy that could go into it. And Leo Rio, the person actually doing the rock, paper, scissors, um, is not thinking about the strategy at all. He's just getting super pissed off with the other person. And he loses. <laughs> um, yeah, no, absolutely. Battleship has loads of strategy in it. Yeah. I, fuck that bullshit. Like, there's strategy on both sides. Strategy on where you place your ships. Strategy on where you uh, attack. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How, how you fill up the board to, uh, to find the other ships. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Those people are crazy. Yeah. Milton Bradley's excursion into video games started in 1978 when they hired Ralph Baer, creator of the Magnavox Odyssey, the first home console, to design a new handhold a new handheld electronic toy for them. Simon, trying to capitalize on the success of the newly invented handheld video games, first designed 2 years prior by Mattel. Simon was a very successful color and sound matching game, and they wanted to continue their success. I used to have a Simon That's toy right. when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm sure most people did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was very successful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> uh-huh. It's Simon Says, but you don't have to deal with people. Right. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the Microvision was initially designed by Jay Smith, an engineer who focused on LCD technology, mostly creating the chemical and selling it to Hughes Aircraft for use in their aircraft. Primarily a defense contractor, they eventually were bought by Raytheon. Now, nowadays, Jay Smith works on the knife missiles. <laughs> Jay, Jay expanded the capacity of the screens to an unheard of 16 rows and was commissioned by Milton Bradley to make their new console. Holy shit, 16 rows on a screen? That was a big deal. I know. Uh, LCD screens were very, very simple back then. And, I mean, even even the ones that came after this, which, like, like the Game & Watch sort of LCD screens, were things where there was, like six or seven things total that could like areas that could be on the screen turned on right because because the way an lcd works is it's predefined areas will light up or will will darken rather to um change things um so like the the game and watch man has a body and then he has multiple arms and they just light one up for whichever uh, position they want his arm to be. Um, this did a little bit differently in that instead of doing images like that, it's just squares. It's a 16 by 16 pixel uh, screen. Right. Um, which uh, works for more games than just one. Okay. Instead of going for single game handhelds like had been popular until then, and would remain so following the Microvision's release as Game & Watch built up Steam, Jay decided to make the Microvision the first handheld cartridge game, in a somewhat unique way. 
The microvision by itself looks somewhat boring with an exposed LCD screen, and you can see the board it's attached to behind it, a smooth 12-button keypad, and a paddle. The beauty of the system is in how the cartridges transform it. Each cartridge is a faceplate that's snapped onto the base, not only providing the system with the code for the game, but also giving the buttons names and covering over unused buttons. Oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, despite being released with five games, with Blockbuster being the first mobile console bundled game, and eventually having seven others released throughout the year, it was not as successful as they wished, despite being plenty successful in sales. Part of the reason for that was shoddy factory work and bad parts, with the screens often leaking and becoming darkened, being prone to electrostatic discharge that could fry them instantly, and insufficient protection from wear on the keypad, which all ended up with many units being returned as defective. Damn. Yeah, should have worked on quality there over uh, shoving it out the door, but that is capitalism. Yeah. Uh-huh. Smith Engineering, Jay's company, really believed in their product, though, and invested a lot in improving it for next generation, even getting the screen up to an extraordinary 32 by 32 backlit color display. Dude, other handhelds wouldn't figure out backlighting until fucking Game Boy Advance SP. Which was what, like 2000-something? Like 2005? No, not 2005. Yeah. Like 2003 uh, or 4 was the SP, I think. 2003. Yeah. Because the original Game Boy Advance didn't even have backlighting. Nope. Yeah. Uh, however, Milton Bradley turned it down since the video game industry is a fad. <laughs> uh, How y'all feeling about that these, these days, Milton? Uh, I uh, have it, pictures of what the microvision looks like. Oh. So that's that's without the cover. Oh. And this is with Blockbuster on it. This looks like something I would push to the side in a thrift store to look at something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Can't, can't really argue with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a cool lamp back there. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> uh, Jay still had a vision, though, and ended up pivoting to home consoles and designed the Vectrex, which was ahead of its time as the first vector graphics home console. Milton Bradley got back on board, and as a result, their stock doubled when it was announced in 1983. <laughs> yeah. Also, in 1983, was the Atari-led video game market crash. <laughs> and that was just the facts. They got back in just in time to lose a shit ton of money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ugh. Poor Milton Bradley. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad for them. They're no, a corporation. Fuck them. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Ugh. All right. You ready for this? John, I said, are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready for this. Okay, we're talking about a light novel again. We're talking about Katana Gatari, Volume 2. Yeah. It's the book about swords. Uh, Yeah. As uh, as always, I'm going to ask you, John, do you you have anything you want to lead off our discussion with before we get into the recap? Nope. I do not have anything I want to talk about. (laughs) <laughs> at all <laughs> uh kind of <laughs> this I'll this get book into made it made me realize that I don't really give a shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay let's let's get to it The prologue opens with a sleepy sword-wielding man being approached by a ninja with an annoying gimmick of speaking backwards. Luckily, we don't have to deal with that gimmick for more than two pages, because he gets sliced in half by the swordsman, Ginkaku Uneri, wielder of Xanto the Razor, the sword focused on in this particular novel, one which is said to be able to cut through anything. Um, I wish that it had cut through his bullshit a lot sooner, because yes... It was only two pages we had to deal with him. But that was two pages too many. <laughs> yeah. When we say re- speaks backwards, it's not like the words are in order, but the the letters are backwards. Whenever he speaks, the entire password passage is backwards. So you have to start yes. at the end of a paragraph and read backwards to understand what uh-huh. he is saying. <laughs> and they did hyphens. They did hyphens, yes! (laughs) And I got to that and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, it was rough reading. Yes. Yeah. It very much was. And I hated all of it. (laughs) Thank thank God he died when he did. (laughs) He could have been sooner. (laughs) He could have been sooner. Our story proper opens with Shichika and Togame traversing a desert, while Togame criticizes Shichika for not having a personality. I'm going to take up arms against Togame for this. Shichika Shichika has the most personality of any character in these fucking books, but she has uh-huh. the fucking audacity. She's basically saying that she doesn't like the personality that he does have. Yep. That's <laughs> like, what she is saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, he oozes personality. It's just a very negative, God, I'd rather be doing anything else, being anywhere else kind of personality. Uh-huh. <laughs> she offers up several intensely stupid ideas for character ticks and catchphrases to provide him with personality. And he finally settles on the last option she proffers, not if you're torn to smithereens, as a catchphrase just to satisfy her. Which I agree with him, is still the worst, uh, it's still pretty bad, it's just not the worst of the bunch. Yes, everything she said before was a far worse option. 
Also, I forgot to write it here, but there's also a whole thing about how her catchphrase is cheerio. You know, like like a British catchphrase. And she thinks it's like it's like samurai screaming to 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 heighten up their chi or whatever. Yes. Yeah, but so it's, she, it's she decidedly she, not. She ineffectively punches him and says cheerio a lot in this book. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Flashback to the previous day at an inn at the edge of the desert, and they discuss how to approach Ginkaku and why he's their first target. The why is easy. Of the swords they know the whereabouts of, the razor was the closest to Haphazard Island. The how is a little more interesting. While Ginkaku has been set up inside a castle in the domain of Totori for well over a decade now, and generations of his family had been in the area as well, it was only about five years prior that the desert saw rapid expansion, which claimed the territory surrounding the castle. What once was a fortress at the edge of the desert was now somewhere in the middle. Oh, and they do this weird thing where Togame wraps her Rapunzel hair around Shichika so he can learn to differentiate her from other people. Yeah, that was weird. It, it's really weird. It, it's very, they, very weird. They ring physical comedy out of it several times where he, like, has has a reaction to something she's saying. At one point, he literally falls backwards in surprise and yanks her into the table. <laughs> <laughs> she deserved it she did deserve she always deserves it togami is annoying yes. as shit <laughs> yes she's she's a decidedly unlikable character yeah <laughs> like everything she does just makes me want to i mean most of it i just roll my eyes and then other times yes. i'm like shichika you should punch her <laughs> Yeah, you for a single a single slash of your sword, and be done with this. Yeah, uh, they're exploring said desert when they discover the two halves of the annoying ninja, who is thankfully still dead. So we never have to read anything written in his style ever again. Yes, <laughs> I was really I was really scared when they came across the body. I'm like. Oh, God, is he still going to be alive somehow? And he left a note on him. <laughs> Written backwards. <laughs> of course. Of course it would be. <laughs> As they approach the body, the castle erupts into vision. As Togami explains, it had been camouflaged by Mirage until they were this close. I don't know enough yes. about Mirage to know whether that's a thing that could happen or not. Uh. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it as a plausibility, but not like a high one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> they enter the castle and Shichika takes in his surroundings, having obviously never seen a castle before. They see a room with bloody tatami flooring that had been switched from another room, and Shichika correctly deduces that Ginkaku isn't far. They find him dozing off in a small room. Togami explains who they are and why they're there in a very a poor in a very poor attempt at diplomacy and trying to get him to hand over the sword without a fight. It would never have worked anyway due to the, due to the type of person Ginkaku is. 
the sword is a family heirloom at this point and very suited to his combat style. But it really is just demanding that he hand it over for basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He asks her to step into the room if she's going to properly negotiate and attempts to slice her in half when she does. Shichika notices, though, and kicks her out of the way to save her. Don't know how that worked. What do you mean? He he is behind her. She is in front of him. Okay, uh, so, so they're not in, like, a hallway? The, so he, Ginkaku is less in a room and more of a closet. Like, like he's in a room adjacent to another room. So he's behind her, but to the side, right? He's, he's within the room. And so he, he notices, and as soon as she's through the door, and it's one of those, like, sliding doors so it's not like one of our closet doors where it wouldn't be reasonable to kick at somebody through that kind of doorway yeah yeah i guess it's a it's a much wider opening yeah still think it's dumb (laughs) ginkaku practices ei nuki which is when you draw your sword attack and sheath it with a single fluid movement he was so fast that Shichika never even saw the sword. He just felt that Tagame was being attacked. Uh, Shichika asks to take a break, and Ginkaku allows it, not moving to follow them as they leave the castle. Shichika uses this information to strategize, determining that if Ginkaku didn't leave that room to follow them, the room is advantageous to him. He can attack anyone who enters, and there's only one point of entry. He runs through a list of possible strategies, one of which hilariously involves allowing Togame to be sliced in half and using her death as a decoy <laughs> to get the jump on Ginkaku <laughs> before finally settling one. on a more straightforward approach. I liked that one also. I liked her reaction to it. <laughs> she allowed him to get through the entire thought process. He's like, so you walk into the room and you get sliced in half. She's like, yes, yes, I get sliced in half. Then what? (laughs) Uh, Shichika goes back in and challenges Ginkaku to a fight, keeping Togame behind him. Using the Hakama he wears, he is able to obscure his footwork enough to faint Ginkaku and manage to land a blow, but doesn't win the fight. Ginkaku then slices his shoulder where he was hit and uses the blood as a lubricant to allow his sword to swing faster. (laughs) Do you ever, do you ever read a passage of one of these books and you're like, that's there for the anime. (laughs) That's there for when this gets made into an anime. Yes. Yes, that is what this is. Yes. <laughs> that is That is what that section of the fight was for. <laughs> yep. Shichika had a plan for this, though, which is why he'd kept Tagame behind him the whole time. He drop kicks her in the face and uses that to launch himself into Ginkaku's room and land on the high ceiling, out of reach of Ginkaku's sword, and is able to defeat him with a triple kick called Raka Roseki. Um, so, so the only... 
The only reason Togame is tolerable as a character is because I think the author hates Togame just about as much as we <laughs> just, do. <laughs> just as much as we do, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he legit... Has he, to. he just fucking drop kicks and launches. <laughs> uh-huh. It has to. He has to hate her. Like the rest of us do. And I'm like, dude, you wrote this character. (laughs) She doesn't have to be awful. (laughs) The epilogue, the epilogue, and we learned that Ginkaku died of his wounds after the fight ended, and Tagame hasn't spoken to Shichika in almost two days. A little pestering from him, though, and she caves in without him even apologizing. She's preparing to send the razor back to the Bakufu and asks Shichika if he'd like to see it before she does. Ginkaku had denied his request earlier, and when in use by Ginkaku, it was impossible to see. Shichika chooses not to, though the book's narration implies he will see it someday. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of obvious. They're all getting sent back, and they're all going to be used against him at once. Yeah. But like after like yeah, six six or seven yeah. swords they send back, sure. they'll probably go yeah. back to check in with the government and oh, somebody I it would will just have... be chapter thirteen or volume thirteen. No. Because there's only twelve volumes. It it literally is like one volume per sword. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe one of the many wax um uh is, is stealing them before uh, they get there. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, two things about this book that I noticed reading the second one, right? Or, or rather yeah. about the series. Um, yeah. One is that there is a very clear formula to these books. Yes. Um, it is a lot of dialogue, like, a lot of dialogue. Most of the book is just two people talking to each other. Um, yes. And then you break it up with a fight scene. And yeah. and, and that that's the book. Like, like, it's a bunch of dialogue and then a single fight scene. Maybe you separate the fight scene between, into two different parts... Like, they have to move to a different location, or in in this case, like, Shichika just leaves to go strategize how to fight this guy. Um, yeah. But, but like, that's going to be the formula. It's, it's going to be two people talking to each other and a fight scene. Yep. Uh, the second is that these books are not meaty. No, they're not. This was 100 pages. Yeah. Like, this is novella levels. You know? Like, yes. Not so much light novels. It's... Like, it's a pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, any other thoughts from you? I what? did not love this. No, I was I was thoroughly bored. It was less interesting than the first book. Uh, I I read this and went, 
I don't think I like this series. <laughs> <laughs> just, just from reading that, like, nah, this, this might not be for me. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. And part of it is that lack of meatiness. Like, they kind of... Yeah. There's no journey, right? Like, they show up to the place. They face the guy. And then eventually they win. And they leave. Yeah. Uh, nothing happens. Like, there could be... Like, there could like, be a whole, like, journey like, to the West thing going on here. But the journey is all cut out. Yeah. It's yeah. just... You know everything that's going to happen because it's the same thing that's happened to the last, you know, every time you've read this. And then you're right. Yeah. And it's not like, oh man, I I really like... You know, like, like me. I like Sword Art Online. All Sword Art Online shows are the exact same. They, they, right. They follow the same plot, point, plot points of, you know... There's a death game, girl is in trouble, Kirito saves them using his uh, innate abilities as an elite hacksaw gamer. Um, uh, and that's... That's that. I mean, it's, he raffle copters all over them, and then he wins. Um, but I like the story, and the story does... like it, It's enjoyable to read. There's things happen in it. Um, there's subtle changes. Maybe Kirito learns a lesson. But the same story is, like, they're all the same story. You know what's gonna happen, but it's still enjoyable to see exactly how. Right. There is nothing new about any of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't great. We got Honestly, four more I, to read. Aren't we on to a next a new thing next time? Yes, we are. Yeah. But I mean I mean, I own four more. Right, we do own four more books. Honestly, if we do if we do come back to this, I might watch some of the anime before we get back to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Put that on the uh the docket for a about six months from now yeah uh, all right um anything else or are we done here no that that's it we're done okay um, uh do people need to know anything about uh what we're doing next time to see next one is the last one of the season already and it's time for hot shit so, oh, hot shit. Oh, okay. in the City of a Thousand Planets. We're actually going to watch it this time. Yeah, we're going to do it this time. I swear Definitely. to God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. To be, it was both of us. It, it was actually yeah, both of was. us last time. It was. <laughs> we're like, God, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't even remember what we did instead. Uh, uh, and we talked, we talked about, about the, the yeah, we talked about the anal bead chess scandal. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> mm, good old anal beads. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. All right. Well. So yeah, watch Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets if you want to keep up with what we're doing. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I Bye. hear it's real bad. Bye. <laughs>